Hello and welcome back to Freedom Machines with Freddie Dobbs. It's actually it's a couple of days later than I usually do the podcast episodes. It's a Wednesday afternoon here in the southeast of London. You won't believe it, but it's 26 degrees at the moment. It's genuinely warm outside. When you step outside, you actually get a gust of warm air, which is pretty unusual in the UK, and it feels amazing. And yesterday, the Indian motorcycle Vintage Dark Horse got picked up by the delivery driver, and it's a bike I'm going to miss massively. I've never been on a bike that makes me feel so amazing. It's hugely impractical, it's expensive to run, but wow, the feeling it gives you. In fact, we've just about a couple of days ago finished wrapping up a YouTube video, which will be live on my YouTube channel, which is Freddie Dobbs, and that's my final thoughts with the bike. And I try to be as impartial as possible, the positives and negatives, as well as a few interesting findings with regards to servicing, the cost of insurance, and just general everyday stuff like parking it, and even locking it. Because of those massive mud guards, it's actually quite hard to physically lock it. So keep an eye on that on my YouTube channel. But I'll miss it. I'll miss it massively, that bike. I genuinely will, and I really do mean that. But, well, actually, I was going to say moving on, but just to give you a, a few more updates on on conversations I've been having with other bikers, and also just an update on a bit of news from the week. I was chatting to someone on Instagram, actually just this morning, and it's an American lady from the USA, and she said that the Indian motorcycle showrooms in the USA, the one that she went to about three months ago, back in March, the showroom in the USA in, and I'm just checking my conversation with her, I can't remember exactly where it was, but basically she went to a showroom in the USA to to have a look at some Indian motorcycles. And back in March, there were 80 Indian motorcycles in the showroom. But the selection is now down to about 10 motorcycles or so. And of those, only really the large 1850 or 1900cc engines and only two or three of the smaller $10,000 motorbikes, such as the Scouts and things like that. And I I wondered why, how is that possible? So I said, why is that the case? And the reply was over in the USA, people have hugely taken to the outdoor lifestyle because of the pandemic. So outdoor sports, um, such as motorcycles and also cars and all-terrain vehicling, they're just becoming more and more popular. So sales of motorbikes have been doing quite well in the US by the sounds of it, but not just that because there's, currently, and I have no idea why this is the case, but there's apparently a global shortage, and I saw this about a month ago, a global shortage of microchips. I have no idea why that's the case, but apparently this is a huge problem. I saw this is the case for some car companies, and it's also a problem for motorbike companies as well, and I'm quoting here from the lady I spoke to. It's all about putting the brain in the beast it's essential for for all vehicles so there's a global shortage meaning that it's actually physically difficult for these motorbike and car companies to be able to 
produce their vehicles. So you've got these Indian dealerships, and I'm assuming it's motorcycle dealerships in general. I think the same is happening with a lot in the UK because I covered this a few podcasts ago. They're really struggling to make their motorbikes. And it's an interesting problem, actually, at the moment. So uh, hopefully that all sorts itself out. Maybe some stuff was going on with the Suez Canal and stuff, but let's see what happens with that. I've got some good news, though. Some good news for British motorbikers. Because you will probably, any Brits, will probably be fully aware of the problems in the US with whiplash claims. And you may not know what that means. I don't know if it's a UK term, but basically in the UK, and it happens specifically for cars, but I think this will probably get passed on to motorbikes as well with the savings. What happens is, in essence, whiplash is you get hit. Let's say someone you're driving along, someone hits you in the back, um, rear ends you in the car. And whiplash is where I think something like your neck snaps, snaps forward. It's something that's really hard to prove basically with doctors. So what happens a lot of the time, you get insurance fraud, where the person who gets hit in the car, a lot of the time, apparently there's nothing wrong with them, but they just say, oh, I've got whiplash, you know, my neck's hurting because it's impossible for doctors to prove and they just have to go on, on the word of the person who's claiming whiplash. And I actually remember, this was probably about 10 years ago, a friend that I've got, they, they were in a car and there were four of them in a car and they got rear-ended. And the reaction when they got hit wasn't that, oh no, we, we've got hit, I hope everyone's okay. Their reaction when they got hit was, yes, payout, brilliant. And that's just what's happened in the UK at the moment. A situation's occurred where everyone... Okay, not everyone, that's a lie. And obviously, I'm not tarnishing everyone saying everyone's an insurance fraud. And obviously, there'll be a lot of people who are injured in crashes, a huge amount. But you get the point. There have been quite a few false claims. Insurance companies have been cramping or clamping down on it because insurance premiums have been getting higher and higher and higher because of these false claims. Gigantic payouts sometimes. So basically, car insurance firms have now cracked clamped down on it and we're coming to what may be a beginning of the end of this payout culture that we're in so what that means is hopefully insurance prices for cars maybe even it will be passed on to motorbikes should start coming down because i've noticed my car insurance often goes up even though i've got about 10 years no claims bonus so let's see if that's passed on in reality and one more bit before I get on to my main topic of the day. And that's a friend of mine has a Triumph Speed Triple and it's got a single-sided swing arm. So basically you, you need a special paddock stand because there's only a swing arm on one side. It makes the bike look brilliant. And loads of bikes have this. The Triumph Speed Triples, I'm sure the BMW R9Ts. There are lots of motorbikes with this single-sided swing arm. But a friend of mine, he wanted to, I think he wanted to get the tire changed. So he went to a motorcycle mechanic and the motorcycle mechanic, well, it was a specialist tire place that do motorcycle tires and car tires. And they replied saying, oh, sorry, we don't have a single sided swing arm. We, we don't have a single sided swing arm mount, so we can't change your tire. So you're a tire place that does motorcycle tires 
And you won't change the tire of a bike with a single-sided swing arm, even though it's not that rare. I didn't get that. And it happened to me. I just had a flashback. It happened to me about four years ago when I had my Triumph Speed Triple. And I thought, this cannot make sense that motorcycle tire shops can't change single-sided swing arms. So you know what the response was of this tire dealership their response was oh can you go and buy a swing arm mount so we can change your tires i mean my friend thought they were having a joke he could not believe it and i'm absolutely with him so basically what's happened in the end my friend has had to go out and buy a single sided swing arm so that they can change his tire and this happened to me with my triumph speed triple I had to, well, I didn't in the end. I called up about four places because the first two, they wouldn't change my tire because they didn't have a single-sided swing arm ramp or mount. Surely that's something you need to have if you're a motorcycle mechanic. Surely. I can't get my head around that. Let me know if you've had the same problems with changing your tire on a single-sided swing arm bike. Please email me, dob.bs at outlook.com. I'm incredibly curious if this is a widespread issue because I've never heard anything so stupid. And I'll move on to the main part of this episode. And that's something that I did, well, I can't believe where time, where time goes, 10 days ago now actually. And that's the DGR, the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride. And sometimes I'm kind of guilty of assuming that everyone knows what this is because the truth is that two years ago I had no idea what it was but let me what I want to do today is just give you an overview of what it is and what what it's about like who can who can get involved and what does the day look like would it be something that you'd enjoy basically the DGR is the distinguished gentleman's ride and it happens once a year on the 23rd of May and it's in essence where classic classically styled motorcycles, whether it's classic motorcycles or modern classics, bobbers, choppers, cafe racers, anything that's classically styled, get together, wear old school clothing of a gentleman. So for example, a suit, if you're lucky enough to be able to grow a moustache, unfortunately I can't, you can grow a moustache and have a pipe hanging out your mouth. That type of vibe, a lot of people wear these old school open face helmets, just basically dress up in your Sunday best and you go out to one of thousands of rides across the world. And for example, in Southeast England, just to give you an example, we have a huge one in London, we, and then we have them all around the, the different towns around England. You've got them in, in Surrey, in the Cotswolds, over in Wales, everywhere. Basically, you find the one nearest to you or the one that you most fancy riding in. And it honestly, is one of the best days riding I've had just for just for everyone having the best possible attitude. A whole load of like-minded bikers with just the best attitude. I was amazed. It was the first one I've done in a group. The first one was last year, so it was COVID. But let me give you an idea about what it's like because this really is, it's way, way more fun than I thought and I'd highly recommend it to everyone. So, you register onto the website, so I think it's distinguishedgentlemansride.com or something like that. 
So you can register onto the website um, and you can set up an account and people can sponsor you uh, to raise money for men's mental health and prostate cancer and maybe a couple of other men's health charities. It's all about men's health, basically. So you can register on the website or you can purely just do the ride itself and and you know do whatever you fancy if you want to ask people to donate or if you just want to donate to someone and do the ride itself it's open to anyone it's all for a good cause so don't worry about getting too in depth if you don't want to but if you want to set up an account as i do you can do that and you can just jump on get involved and there are lots of little kind of mini competitions for example if you raise 250 dollars and you sponsor someone by ten dollars and you uh, do a couple of other little little things you get put into a draw to win a triumph thruxton special edition dgr you can win head and motorcycle helmets and some other badges and things like that there's lots of fun stuff to get involved with and the best thing about it is you and i really mean this you don't need to go in a group you can turn up solo or in a group or just you and one other person it's so amazingly open the vibe is so brilliant you can turn up by yourself you can just wander around looking at bikes by yourself or you can get involved chatting to other people it's absolutely open to anyone so if all of your friends have super sports bikes and ducati panigales it doesn't matter go by yourself it's just as fun i mean that everyone just wants to get involved and chat about bikes it's amazing so for me I went, I'm in Southeast London, on the outskirts of Southeast London, and I rode just to the M25, which is a motorway that surrounds London, to meet a friend of mine. So I met a friend of mine just on the outskirts of London who has a Triumph Speed Twin. And we rode into London at about 9am on Sunday morning. And the, the route is on the website. So... Once you've registered, it will show the exact route and every point you go past. So, for example, in London, you start on the Old Street Roundabout, and then it's got about 20 points or so that you go past. Basically, you go past all the most interesting stuff in London, and you can get pics along the way. You can stop. It's You can do pretty much whatever you want. So you can see the exact route. You know exactly where to meet. So for London, 10 a.m. Old Street Roundabout. So my friend and I rode into London from the outskirts, took about 40 minutes. And as we were getting close, we rode through Shoreditch and you start to see more and more on this Sunday morning, more and more of these old classically styled or modern classic motorcycles riding around with distinguished looking gentlemen on them, suited and booted. And then you start just getting the early signs of a pretty cool vibe going on. So you're riding along, you start to see a few unusual sights of smartly dressed people on classic bikes. And as you get closer and closer to the, the starting point, this becomes more and more and more. And when we got close, we actually had no idea where people were because in London, it's hard stopping anywhere. And we couldn't really see anyone on the old street roundabout. So we got to the old street roundabout, riding along, get to the traffic lights. And then two other guys on modern classic bikes. In fact, one was a woman. It's open to everyone. Pull up next to us. And we're wondering, where is everyone? We've seen a few people come and go, but we can't see anyone going in an exact direction. And then we saw a big group of 10 of them coming around the old street roundabout and riding towards Bike Shed. 
And if you don't know Bike Shed, it's the coolest motorcycle hangout that I've ever been to in Shoreditch, and I'll get to that in a second. But they're all heading to the bike shed. So we quickly do a U-turn and follow this group of bikers. And about four minutes later, after riding along, we pull up and we just see Bike Shed in the distance and we get close to it, pull up at Bike Shed, and I have never seen anything like it in London. Both sides of the road didn't matter. Double red lines for no parking, but every side of the road absolutely packed with modern classic motorcycles or classic motorcycles diagonally parked up either side of the road. So we get there, we pull up, just forming a nice line with all of the other bikes and jump off. And it is just the most incredible sight seeing everyone dressed up like this with this incredible selection of bikes. Everyone looking at each other's bikes, chatting away, the bike shed full to the brim and everyone, well, we didn't know what they were doing at first, but chatting away. So we were just standing there looking at all of the different bikes, quickly looked into bike shed, which was absolutely packed. And we wondered what was going to happen. And then after about 20 minutes of just enjoying this the vibe of the whole occasion, a few people start getting their helmets on. So everyone runs over to their bikes, gets ready, and then you head off about 20 past 10. And it's a gigantic convoy of motorbikes just taking up the whole street. And as you're riding along, the, the group starts to spread out a little bit as some people get caught at traffic lights and, uh, and one huge group turns into probably six, seven or eight different groups and you can quickly whiz off and catch up with the group ahead or drop back and stay with the group behind and there are sometimes groups of two, three or four different friends riding together or just a lot of solo people. Do you know, I was really happy to see that. A lot of solo people. It really is open to anyone. You all just get involved with it and you just ride around the whole of London with just every second there's a different bike riding next to you and it is absolutely amazing you don't know what's going to come up next could be a classic ducati could be a triumph rocket uh, even ducati monsters the stuff you'd expect the triumph bonnevilles the thruxtons the scramblers anything you can imagine a few indian motorcycles few harleys as well and if you don't know where you're going you just follow the person ahead of you and it did happen a few times where we're riding along and suddenly I found myself leading the pack. So maybe we were the third pack, third fastest pack or something like that. And I found myself leading the pack with no idea where to go. And you're desperately looking around you, hoping that someone's going to overtake who knows where they're going. But I got in a position where it was myself, my friend and two other people. And we were all looking around. We were about 20 meters ahead of everyone else. And not one of us had any idea where we we're going. So then you just pray that someone who knows what they're doing rushes ahead and starts leading the pack, which most of the time they do. And somehow, I don't know how it happens, but somehow you always end up in the right place. So after about probably, probably about an hour and a half or two hours riding around, my friend and I, we had to actually leave the pack probably at about, maybe about 12 o'clock or something like that, because we had a reservation for bike shed. And this brings me on to Bike Shed. So we had a reservation there and we had to get from West London over in Richmond Park all the way over to Bike Shed. So this is pretty much West London to east of central London. 
so we whizzed across and all the time you're going, this is the thing, we whizzed across London, we left the main pack. But even leaving the main pack, you see groups pretty much across London. We thought it would be completely dead of these classic bikers, but actually no, we're still seeing them almost constantly. These little groups of DGR riders just either doing their own little rides or they've lost the pack or something like that. So you're constantly seeing groups of two, three, sometimes a bigger group of 10, even going through central London away from the pack. So we bombed over to the bike shed. And if you haven't been there before, bike shed is one of the absolute, if not the coolest motorcycle hangouts in the UK. And it's so good, it's genuinely worth visiting purely to go and see it. It's in Shoreditch, it's only been open, I may be wrong here, I think about five years. And it's a destination location. They, have, they sell motorcycle gear, they've got a barber, they've got a brilliant shop with the coolest biking gear you can imagine. And they've got this, which really is, the key to why it's so cool. They've got a driveway. So what happens is it's just before a, a, a railway bridge and the entrance just before this railway bridge, you turn in and you actually ride your motorbike through a kind of alleyway. And on either side of the alleyway, on the right hand side, you've got tables and chairs where people sit for their coffee and their food. And on the left hand side, you have exactly the same tables and chairs and food. And on the left hand side, you also have the restaurant with big glass windows so you can see all the bikes coming past. And then you have the shop as well on the left-hand side. So you ride in and you're going past all of these people sitting down eating and watching the bikes go by. And you ride in right to the end and you go through a brick arch and it's this arched bunker right at the end of bike shed where all of the bikes park up. And it is so unique. It's a, an incredible, fantastic place and a huge asset for London actually it really is so we rode in parked up and we're so lucky we pre-booked we got a table in time and I met a couple of my other friends there so we had lunch and we had lunch and a coffee and then we just chilled out and enjoyed the atmosphere there but the amount of bikes coming in they absolutely sprawled out completely full in the bike shed bunker and also all the way onto the main street in fact actually we were halfway through our lunch and a member of bike shed rushed in and said oh the police are outside ticketing so quickly move your bikes so it really does get that busy especially on these days but anyone looking just on a side note for a brilliant place to go whether you're british or you're coming over to the uk for holiday i and you're a bike enthusiast I hugely recommend going to Bike Shed. Bike Shed in Shoreditch, you will be absolutely, it will make your day. It's that good. And the food is superb. It's not one of these old school biking places where they only serve sausages and mash and chips and beer. Delicious coffees, brilliant food, really superb, proper restaurant quality food with a really nice long bar. It's a fantastic place to go. So that is I'd say it's probably my favourite spot in the UK. It's, it's a great place. And being able to ride through where people sit, it's such a great experience. So if you can go, if you've never been before, Saturday or Sunday morning, book a table for about 10am because that's when all of the bikers or a lot of bikers come in there, have their breakfast or have a meetup and then head off on a ride. And if you book a table for 10 o'clock, ask if you can get a table on 
the runway so you can watch all the bikes coming past. Get a table on the runway for 10, 11 o'clock, Saturday or Sunday. It is absolutely brilliant. But that was, that, that really was an amazing day. It's the first time I've done the proper group DGR ride and just, just being able to experience being around so many like-minded riders and experiencing all of the, the London landmarks. And of course, it's not just London, it's all around the world, but so many like-minded people chatting to so many different people and they could not have been nicer. So if you've never done it before, this is my first big one, I would definitely very, very highly recommend it. And question time, I've got one, well, it's a longer question, so I'm just going to do one question for this week. And it's a question I've actually had a lot. And it's something I took a long time to actually figure out. And I'm really curious. Tell me, any other nationalities apart from the Brits, let me know if you have these issues. Passing your motorbike test, really complicated to understand it. It seems easy for me now because I've done it, I know what's going on. But I remember when I went to pass my motorcycle test, there are so many different tests and kind of stipulations as to what test you can do with what age and what license and yada 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 it's it's almost too daunting even looking at it like with a car you do your theory test and you do your practical test but with a motorbike you've got a cbt you've got a theory test you've got a mod one you've got a mod two you've got different tests you've got the a test the a1 the unrestricted the a2 you've got certain tests you can do if you're under x age it is almost well it is it's unpleasantly complicated so i'm going to break it down now because i've had a few people saying can you just break down what i need to do to be able to pass my biking test and i'm just going specifically on a 19 year old actually who contacted me but this will be relevant for absolutely everyone so here we go i'm going to do the most brief simple overview i can do if you're 16 years old, all you can do is a CBT. That means you can only ride a 125cc scooter and you can never take a passenger and you must have an L-plate on the back. And you've got to have an L-plate on the back. So, in fact, actually, one of them... No, actually, one of them, I'm just looking now, if it's a 50cc, you can have a passenger. But basically, 16 years old, it's a... In fact, ignore that. 16 years old, scrap all of that. 16 years old, 50cc moped, absolute maximum. 17 years old, 125cc. So that's where the 125cc bikes come in. You can be 17 years old. And here's where it gets complicated. So if you're 17 years old, you can take the A1 motorcycle test, which means you can ride motorcycles up to a maximum of 14 horsepower. And in reality, that is probably, it's 125ccs really. But what that will give you is it will mean you don't need L plates and you can carry a passenger. So if you're 17 years old, the absolute maximum you can hope for is to have a 125cc bike and carry a passenger and not have L plates. But things get fun from 19. Because when you're 19 years old, you can drive or you can ride a motorcycle with 46 horsepower. And this is where motorcycles get fun, from 46 horsepower onwards. And you know what that means you can ride? Royal Enfield Interceptor. You don't even need to de-restrict it. 
you can be 19 years old and go out and buy a Royal Enfield Interceptor. And 46 horsepower is plenty of horsepower to have proper fun on. So if you're 19 years old, here's what you have to do. This is where the proper licenses come in with, with proper big bikes. So you've got to go and take your theory test first. Don't book any test and don't do any direct access until you do that. Do your theory test first. Once you've passed your theory test, this is what I did. I did what's called a direct access course. And a direct access course is a five day course where they will take you from never having ridden a motorbike or scooter or anything before to passing your CBT, passing your module one and also your module two. So on the first day, it will be a CBT and it costs about 650 quid, 700 quid. First day CBT, where you'll legally then be allowed to ride a 125cc scooter. You cannot fail that, it's only training. So you'll pass your CBT because it's unfailable. After that, you have four, three or four solid days of motorcycle practice. The first one will probably be on a 125 and then they'll get you up to about a 500cc motorbike you'll do on, it's often on the same day. In fact, mine, I think, I think mine was actually the same day. You've got then two tests to do. Mod one is where you basically ride around a car park going left and right and doing figures of, figures of eight and brake checks and brake testing within a car park with cones set out. If you pass that, you're then allowed to do your mod two. And mod two is where you're out on the road with a riding instructor riding behind you and if you pass that you then get your a2 license if you're 19 if you're older than 19 forget about the a2 license if you're 24 so basically if you're 24 you can do your a license if you're between 19 and 23 a2 is the maximum you can get so if you're 19 to 23 years old just forget about the a1 license do your a2 license if you're 24 years old or older, just do your full motorcycle license. That's the A license. Forget about the A2, the A1, everything else. But all of the tests have the exact same principle. You've got to pass your theory test first and then, only then, book your direct access course with a motorcycle school. It's a one-week course. They will then book your CBT, your Mod 1, your Mod 2 for you. So that's what you need to do. All you need to do is book your theory test and then book your direct access course. And with the direct access, you will do your CBT, your CBT, your mod one and your mod two. I hope that helps just about on time. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this week's podcast or this week's episode. I really hoped you enjoyed it. You can find me on YouTube, actually. YouTube is just Freddie Dobbs, Instagram is dob.bs and thank you so much for listening have a brilliant week and i will see you in the next one